It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm in Austin. I'm James Smith. He's in San Antonio. He's Joe Linehan. And uh, Joe, a busy week, but we have a... It, this is an interview-packed show today, but we'll, we'll, we have some items to cover first. So, uh, how yeah, people your, how, don't want to talk to us. So, or <laughs> people don't want to listen to us. So. Well, they do want to talk to us because they like being interviewed. That part's good. <laughs> so... Uh, it was a big weekend for Austin College, and I mentioned it for, we'll, we'll talk about that mo- momentarily, but really to introduce the fact that we're going to have a conversation with Lexi Wong and Sophie Oliver from that team. They went 4-0 over the weekend. They beat two Division II teams in a, you know, junky, deep, shallow pool in Pennsylvania, of all places. Uh, but a, a very successful weekend. In fact, uh, again, I am still on board with this idea that aside from the two UOP games, that this is a team that can go undefeated, but that's me. You don't have to follow up on that as well. No, uh, it's no, no, it's great that they went four. No, I mean, and you mentioned the shallow deep pool. That's always an interesting dilemma there, right? Yeah. So, um, they overcame a couple early deficits where I'm sure they were, uh, defending the deep water in a shell in a shallow dip, the uh, deep goal in the first quarter to come back against two division, two teams, Gannon and Mercyhurst. So yeah. it was great. I, I talked to some, uh, you know, one of my assistants is a guy from the East Coast and uh, the others from Chicago. And I said, uh, yeah, Austin College played pretty well this weekend. They beat uh, Gannon and Mercyhurst. And I was a little bit surprised because both of them went, they did? Because, uh, you know, I am not super experienced personally with uh, East Coast water polo. Like, we just didn't play those teams back in the day. But they were impressed. Like, yeah, those are those are decent programs, you know. So a, a good weekend. They beat... Gannon, eleven ten. Here, yeah. Anybody, anybody that's surprised about Austin College going out to the East Coast and being competitive against anybody hasn't been paying attention. Well, I agree with that. Um, but the fact that they're going up, that you know, they played competitively against UOP. I would say. And by the way, I watched that video. It was better than I expected. I have to be honest. Like they played well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Gannon and Mer- Mercyhurst are two teams that are are you know. I forgot that they were Division Two. That's what I, mean, that, I think. That's the point. I mean, uh, Mark and his staff have done a great job. I mean, yep. this girls' team, what two years ago, they were second place in Division Three on the East Coast. They only lost to one team the entire year on yep. the East Coast for yep. Division Three, and that was with all freshmen, nine total kids. Yep. Now they have two additional recruiting classes plus all those all those freshmen from that first year's team. His they bet, should be good. They should. They be should good. be good. Well, the, so I mean, I, I don't know why people are like, 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 are surprised. So, well, because they're from Texas, and Texas isn't just no good, you know. Okay. Yeah. Of course, there you go, and I'm, I'm and I'm a little protective, so there you go. I think California is superior, Joe. Like, I think, well, actually, it's not entirely wrong. Um, I, as you and I were talking about before, they just looked better. Their defense, I found to be just much more effective than it has been in the past. I think they just had time to train together. They've had a new recruiting class. They've been able to work under Mark's system. I, I was impressed. In fact, I'm going to show that video to my kids in a um, in a Zoom call because I want them to see what it looks like to you know press effectively, counterattack, that kind of thing. It was, it was very good. Anyway, uh, Lexi Wong, Sophie Oliver, they're coming up. Both of them are key members of that team. Uh, at the same time, the high school season is raging along. Uh, Joe had a conversation with head coach Jeff Chandler from Cy Creek, um, and that'll come up uh, soon as well. What did you cover in that? Just sort of a, an outline. Well, just I mean, obviously his season and the challenges with COVID and all those things, and but also he like each year they do this tournament called Made the Brave, which is like a fundraiser and gives scholarships out to 
to kind of seniors going to college, which is kind of a memorial tournament for a player that passed uh, kind of several years ago. Um, also, um, Jeff is hosting the uh, state championship, the boys' state championship here in May. So we covered a lot of ground. The Mave the Brave thing, um, it, was that that hasn't taken place yet. I, I know it's on the calendar every year, but I, I'm, I'm unaware of what time of the it year it is. It has already taken it place. Did. Okay, place. got it. And I hope they made a ton of money from that. That would be great. Um, so speaking of high school, you want to move on? Let's go. Let's go. We have our first rankings of the year. Uh, um, this is exciting stuff. Um, let's go right into it. Uh, boys side. We'll go boys first. Um, rankings top five. St. Mark's, Flower Mound, then a tie between Memorial from Houston and Straight Jesuit. And then in fifth comes Dawson. So that that's our first boys rankings of the year so 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 let's so let's talk about that a yes bit. let's okay i think you and i both agree that st mark's is probably the strongest team out there yeah okay i do think dawson probably should be ranked a bit higher well uh I, that's just me i agree they beat jesuit from my understanding 13 or 14 to nothing Jesuits is ranked ahead of them, not by much, you know, so there's just more votes out there to be done for Dawson. Um, and Memorial beat Jesuit as well. That's my understanding. I think eight to five. Yeah. So all of this says, Joe, as you well know, that you coaches who have a problem with these rankings, make sure you vote. So that but, makes a gigantic difference. But it is also very good that there's three separate regions that are kind of represented in the top five. There you go. Absolutely. So there's not a dominant region just yet. So. Not yet. We've got to get some West region teams in there, hopefully. Um, others that re- got votes were Foster, Guyer, Carroll, Jersey Village, Brazos Wood. There was a lot. Uh, St- Strafford. I don't even really know Strafford. And uh, Cypress Creek. So those are the teams that got votes. Um, moving on to the girls. This was a close vote. It's re- And I think that's probably accurate. I'm, I'm looking forward to what you have to say about this. So St. Agnes first. And Flower Mountain second, but only one point difference between the two of them, followed by Foster, Memorial again, and Geyer. And then there's a very steep drop off. There's two other schools that got votes, Carroll and Sterling. But that top five, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think uh, kind of St. Agnes and Flower Mountain probably are the top two teams right now. Um, Geyer is not that far behind. Um, uh, Memorial has some strong, strong players, and. Um, and I would, I would say that Carol's probably going to be coming up here soon too. Okay, so. Flower Mound and St. Agnes, they have to play, right? Are they going to play? I wonder if they're going to on the the schedule for Texas Cup, or um, that would be great to know. So, I don't think teams are traveling this year. They're not. Okay, uh, that would that's too bad. That would be a really great matchup to see uh, who wins who wins that game. Or they're not. Or they're not traveling until state this year. Yeah, that's that. You know, and that that makes that'll be exciting. That'll be exciting. Um, okay. Um, and now, yeah, and yep. yeah, yeah, and actually, it's going to be kind of similar to what the men's NCAA tournament and the women's NCAA tournaments are, where everybody kind of played their own conference stuff, mm. and then it made the seating at those events kind of hard. Yes, and then there were a ton of, and then there were a ton of, of upsets, and there's some, and there, and there might be a, a Cinderella team this year. Oh, that would be fun. That would be really fun. Um, good, good, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's 16 teams per tournament too, right? So that's that's uh, excellent. Um, okay, players of the week. Um, Kaylee Carter, a senior at Geyer. She's the top scorer in North Texas, and she wins the Player of the Week award. The boys' player of the week is Miles DeBont, a 10th grader from Clear Springs. Goalkeeper, had 17 saves, and uh, their team held, uh, 
the Clear Springs had their first victory over Pearland in four years. So the, congratulations to him. And then newcomer of the week is Luca Dorajo. He's one of my guys. I know that it sounds biased, but so be it. We, Joe and I talked about this. He's a ninth grader from Round Rock. He's the only freshman on that team. And over the weekend at the Alamo Heights Mules 9 tournament, I love that name. Uh, he scored seven goals, three assists, and had a couple steals as well. So congratulations to all three of them. Yeah, I actually saw uh, Luca play in person this past weekend and because I refereed some games. Did you did you uh, did you eject him at all? Any exclusions? Um, probably. I don't know if I injected I'll him. Bet or not, did. But, uh, I'll bet you did. I bet you did. But uh, it makes me feel old that Kaylee Carter's a senior. <laughs> what? Tell what? What do you mean? Tell us more. Oh, because I was around whenever she first started learning to pass a water polo ball. Which is when? <laughs> so, like how? How much? How many years ago? Eight nine years ago. Yeah, you are old. There's no question so, about that. So, so there you go. So, but no, but congratulations yet all three. Hey, Luca Hold was like her. 13 when he started with me. So the fact that he's a fresh person that's scoring for Round Rock High School, that's uh, I, I'm I'm with you. Not quite as much, but I'm I'm definitely with you about that. Uh, um, some other news, uh, and this is something for you to cover. I think you've been involved, and so have I. Not not nearly as much as you, but um, the ODP West Region Championships is ba- is is official. It's going to be at, in, in San Antonio um, over Memorial Day weekend. But also there's news, and, and that's good news because the, there, there's zones that are coming to visit West Region. I think so, you know, some of them are committed and some are on the fence. So I'm not going to say who or who, not, who, who is not coming because it's not 100% certain. But regardless, there's going to be a lot of games that weekend. And so then that was when the Welcome to Texas shootout was scheduled as well. So what's going on with that? So when we first started planning, obviously we have the Memorial Day weekend kind of reserved for the Welcome to Texas shootout. Um, the ODP kind of had to be pushed back, and um, we we sent out some kind of signals that we could have a, a, like both events on the same weekend at the same location. But it now seems that there's going to be a lot more of the of the ODP teams. Like we can probably max out with 60 teams at that location because of COVID restrictions this year. So. Um, whenever you get up to like, you know, kind of 40 plus teams, it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for the welcome to Texas shootout. So we're moving the welcome to Texas shootout this year only to Labor Day weekend. Okay. Yeah. And it's going to be at the same location. So we're going to have two events in San Antonio at the Northside, um, uh, swim center. So that's cool. I, I, I've, uh, I've heard good things about that. So this is good. Um, ODP taking up that entire weekend is essentially, uh, you know, I think as you and I talked about, I think they're going to do ODP events in California in and of themselves. There's some other zones that have been making noises about doing their own thing. So I'm stoked because this is sort of a, as I said last, <laughs> you, you scolded me for this, but it's like an unofficial non-California national championship. So I, it's I'm, not I'm excited. That. It is not that. Uh, I think it is. It's great. It's unofficial. If you just put it in quotes, you're you're good, Joe. You don't have to worry about that. Um, okay, uh, Thunder Spring invite also took place this last weekend. Um, eighth graders yeah, and sixth graders and fourth graders too, right? No, there was no fourth grade and younger division. Again, you know, these tournaments are kind of, are kind of limited on space, you know, yeah. because of the like the like the safety guidelines and such. So there were 18 total teams that played this past weekend. They had three divisions. They had eighth grade and under boys, eighth grade and under girls, and sixth grade and under mixed. 
And for the eighth grade and under mixed, it was Trident kind of kind of came up on top, which I, I don't think is very surprising. Right. I, I think they've been very strong. That, yeah, this spring and mm-hmm. over the course of the last last few years. Um, for the sixth grade <laughs> and younger mixed, it was Pegasus came up on top. And I just have to get a shout out to the Lone Star Mavericks crew that got second place. Nice, yeah. That's I know, your, which that's was, your baby. That was that was a strong that was a strong kind of kind of showing for uh, kind of Donzi, Lily, Sam Ewing, and yeah, and yeah, and their crew. Nice. And then for the eighth grade and younger girls, it was Viper Pigeon that won out, and they beat Diablo in a shootout in oh, the sweet. game. Diablo from the East Bay in California, very good. And Diablo had beaten everybody. Up until that point, and then you know, Viper Bridges just kind of turned on the Jets, and yeah, and kind of came back and won and won in a shootout fashion. It was a lot of fun. So. Fantastic! Those shootouts, you know, as a coach, they make you nervous for all kinds of reasons, including like schedule. You know, you're like, wow, we're we're really going over time. But man, oh man, they are so fun to watch. They're just and great. They are fun, and but sometimes, kind of when you get into the fourteen under and twelve and under shootouts, they can go on a long. long <laughs> they time. go on for a while. <laughs> that is totally true. Yeah, but it's worth it. It's fun. Um, okay. And then the next, and the next kind of tournament for that age group is going to be tags at the end of April. So I know I got to sign our team up for that. There, we're, uh, we're everybody's getting ready for that and for Junior Olympics, and so are we. I'm excited about that. It's going to be an interesting and busy summer. Okay. Um, like I said, lots of interviews will come up next with Jeff Chandler, and then we'll follow that with Lexi Wong and Sophie Oliver from Austin College, and uh, we'll wrap it up in a minute. All of TX Water Polo is brought to you advertising free, and we'd like to keep it that way. So we're asking for your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give so we can keep covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hey, this is Max Irving from the U.S. Men's Senior National Team. And to get all things Texas water polo, I'm listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Welcome today. We have Jeff Chandler from Cy Creek High School and the Sharks Water Polo Club. Uh, uh, Chandler, kind of, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Um, uh, Was it now, you know, we're in the middle of, of, of the school year and I know this has been a challenge as far as just school and COVID and stuff like that how has it gone for your swim team and water pole teams during this year good bad uh everything's good we're we're actually competing so that's a good thing um as far as swimming we only had a couple slowdowns on individuals not a lot as far as with the virus um had a girl Finished second and 200 free at state, uh, set and broke the regional and school and the pool record in that event. Um, as far as water poles going, we just got started. Got a couple of boys that are um, being shut down for a couple of weeks, but season's been going well. Kids are learning. We're really, really young, and you can, you can tell when you watch this play. Well, it's always – I mean, this is almost like, you know, a lot of teams – this is, yeah, you have two sets of freshmen this year. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because last year the freshmen played maybe for, what, a couple weeks? And now they didn't play for last year. 
they didn't get a, they didn't get to go play club or something. So it's two sets of freshmen, which is probably an interesting kind of dynamic during practice because you have your your seniors and juniors that know how to play, and then your two sets of freshmen that are kind of kind of iffy. How's that going? You hope you have juniors and seniors that know how to play. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I've got I've got the girls and the boys pick it up pretty quick. So I, I, at times, as far as the, um, uh, what am I looking for? That's the definition, but the verbiage of what I'm saying, the older kids, oh, that's what we're doing. And the young ones kind of look at you like, what are we doing? What are we doing? But other than that, it's, I'm enjoying this year more than I ever have, I think, of coaching. And it's because of that aspect of it that they're eager to learn and they're just sponges in the water right now. Just gimme, 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 gimme. Yeah, so so what are the expectations for, for both your boys and girls team yeah this spring? Win it all, baby, right? There you go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Realistically, uh qualify for regionals and get as far as we can there. Uh, like I said, we're really young on the boys side. I have one senior boy, uh two juniors, three juniors, and then uh, the rest, which make up another uh, another 12 for sophomores and freshmen. And then the girls are bottom heavy. Again, I think I only have six upperclassmen, and, and there's 22 of them that are underclassmen. Lots of patience, right? Yes, that is definitely happening on both the coaching and uh, officiating aspect of it which I'm doing the job. <laughs> I mean yes so we talked about the challenges for your program this spring um but like so what are the other strong teams down yeah kind of down in the Houston area in your region or the south or the south region as well I haven't really seen anybody but Clear Creek uh from the south region and they're not terribly bad um I'd say they're the top I love it I mean, the powerhouses up here are on the girls' side, uh, St. Agnes Memorial, Jersey Village. I haven't seen anybody from the north part of our region, Woodlands, yet. Um, boys, uh, I, I, it's probably, well, not probably, it's Memorial. Um, I hate to say it again, but Jersey Village. And I probably somebody from the north. We're not too bad. But like I said, we're one-handed heavy, and everybody looks for him to get open, and then they watch him do his thing. And it's well, it's all about getting better a little bit each week, right? And get better towards the end, right? That's the goal. We uh, kind of broken the season down uh, a little more choppier than I have before, as far as spending more time on certain aspects of the game. Like now, we're going to spend probably three weeks on just defense. And in the past, we just introduce it, do the drills and scrimmage and learn from that way. But now it's more of the positioning and where that pass is coming from and what are, that, what are they thinking? More of a chess type of yeah. aspect of the game for the younger ones. So. Yeah, but the kids don't understand that stuff until you do a, a little scrimmaging in practice, right? That's right. It, It's a little counterintuitive. I always hear these coaches, oh, oh like oh, the kids aren't, aren't going to see the balls – for the first month, I'm like, all right, well, these kids need to know what a ball is first. You know, they, they don't know what pressure passing is. They don't know what's 
the center is. So let's uh, so let's go ahead and have them scrimmage a little bit and have some controlled chaos going on, and then we can teach them that stuff, right? I mean, I assume you're the same thing with your JV kids. So. Oh, yes, oh yes, it's, it's seventh period is fun. Put in the cages, get caps on. Let's go. We'll scrimmage until the varsity gets here about three fifteen, and then we break it down after that. Yeah, my high school coach talk about not having balls and not touching, me, not touching the balls until a month into the season. He'd roll them on deck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's it's it is definitely a different time. That's a different it's it's a different type of kid nowadays. But yeah. no, so you just had the yeah the be brave yeah the be brave yeah like Mave tournament, which is which kind of supports the uh, Mave the Brave kind of foundation. Tell us a, a little bit about the history of that event, scholarships, and the good that that group does. Uh, well, Mave the Brave Scholarship Foundation is a tax exempt. Uh, organization that we lost Maeve um, seven years ago now, coming up in May. Um, we decided to do something for in her memory to keep her memory around and do something for the kids to play water polo in our area. So we invited uh, eight schools, eight boys, eight girls, and they got to play eight games over three days. Um, and at the end, um, they do a little award ceremony where the, the seniors would uh, turn in applications to the board uh, for scholarship money. And they have been giving out 13 scholarships, at least 13 scholarships, because that was Maeve's number. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere from, and I may be wrong on this, but I know that it's been a lot of money, anywhere from 1500 to three grand per kid. So, and, every, and every little bit counts nowadays. Yeah, every little bit counts. Um, not last year, but the year before, I think it was somewhere about the twenty-eight hundred mark. That's incredible. I mean, and that's is, and this is, and this is something that's been going on for, I think you mentioned for about seven or eight years, and it's, and it's, and I, and I hope you can keep it kind of going for a long, long time, kind of afterwards too. That's great. Well, if not, if we can't keep it going on for high school, then we'll move it over to the dark side in there for club there you go that's okay that's okay uh what is it um now talking about tournaments um you're hosting the state championship for boys right for boys on may 14 15 again for those that don't know for this year uh kind of disco water pole did split the boys state and the girls state championship girls are this are the seventh and eighth the boys are the may are may 14th and 15th and you are hosting it at the cfisd natatorium just tell us a, a little bit about that um, we're excited that we actually get to host because we were going to be the host last year. Um, so just excited to show off the facility to the state that hasn't seen it, if they haven't seen it already. Um, it's, we've already started getting the balls, you know, bells and whistles started going and it's, it's going to be exciting. No, no, it's going to be good. And, and I believe are, are, are you guys set for 16 teams? Like kind of, kind of, kind of, is it going to be four per region? As of right now, yes, uh, 16 teams per gender, four from each region, uh, single elimination, except if you lose the first round game. So all 16 teams are guaranteed two games at least. Okay, good, good. And you guys have, you you put on a ton of state tournaments and I'm sure it'll be the, this will be, is this gonna be the first one you've ever done at this pool for state? Yeah. A state meet, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. It, well, it seems like that pool has been open for a while now, but it really hasn't, I guess. It just 2020 seemed like it lasted for about five years. Yeah. So there, 
So, but uh, now here, now off to something that we can both cry and laugh about, you know, um, thoughts on the new rules. Do you like the new rules? I love them. Good. I absolutely love them. I think it brings a lot more excitement to the game. Um, obviously more scoring possibilities to the game. Um, I think once everybody understands what the rules are, uh, that will make it a lot better too. Yeah. So, I mean, as a coach, how has your team adapted and how did you kind of teach them a little bit in practice to get ready for it? Or is it just, all right, guys, we have, so we have a tournament and kind of here it is. Yeah, let's go. Well, being with the ice storm and we can't start practice until the, our last swimmer is done as a district rule. Um, we didn't really get a chance to do much of the new rules until after our jamboree. So you get in there and play four games and you're just watching, taking it all in. And then the kids will ask a question. And you're like, the only thing I told our kids is you had to put it in play. Not immediately, but you need to put it in play. You couldn't just swim with it away. You had to place the ball down and swim away. Um, and then the new five was six meters. And you could either shoot it immediately or you could put it in play and just go dance all the way into the goal if they let you. Have you had a kid take a shot from a corner throw yet? Not from the corner, but yes. He has um, walked it in to where the defense was like looking at him like it's a free throw, dude. It's a free throw. No one put their hand up. Goalie didn't move. Put it near side, top shelf, which you don't want to put it in. Hey, hey, you know what? It's okay. Oh. okay. I, I mean, and have you had – have you worked on a play with your goalie going past half? Yes. I've actually done that more than the corner throw. Okay. All right. Well, good. Has it been successful? <laughs> it's been very interesting um, <laughs> as far as high stress on my end because they're not very fast swimmers, where in the past I've had some pretty quick goalies. Um, and then playing at the natatorium, that pool is so dang big compared to ours here at Lyle. But, yeah, we've got – you know, hang on to the ball until someone gets to you and then make that pass to the open person and then hurry up back to the goal. That's you can play. probably get away with it more in girls' high school water pole than boys, but, yes. Yeah, I mean, as far as the, our girl goal has gotten down to the four, inside the five, before she had to pass the ball. And by that point, she just shot and made it. So Okay, well, good. You better – yeah, you better shoot and made it because they're going to have a ton of time to get the ball to somebody else and throw it down the other way. And that's what's happened to the boy. Yes, and was it? Um, I do. I, I I have heard that there's a team in North Texas that almost every other possession they have their goalie just go down yeah. because their goalie is quick and stuff like that. So I'm like, every, I just love how the different coaches are trying with yeah, kind of with the new thing. Yeah. And I know it's a little bit of some, you know, it's not just the coaches and athletes; it's also the refs getting used to it as well. So and. You know, and it's this is this is just a mess. This is just an interesting year, to say the least. <laughs> and I've always joked around that, you know, school districts are just trying to get through the school year. I think we're all very happy that there's a high school season. We're just all trying to get through this, the high school season right now. So there you go. Yes, sir. That's right. And, and like I tell the kids, I go, it's going to be a two year possible you know, two year process of us learning the rules, being more familiar with them um, and the officials, you know, getting getting better at calling those rules yeah and now you're also the region chair on the tisco water pole board so just i mean 
Well, while I have you here, I just want you to hear kind of your thoughts on UAL Fall Water Polo 2022. Cannot wait. Excited. Um, it's going to be, uh, I think that first year is going to be kind of a, a, I shouldn't say a rush, but growing pains for coaches that haven't coached water polo before or haven't done it in the fall. And then, you know, the, it's going to be trying for some of us in pools like ours, six, you know, six lanes shallow deep where you've got uh, two genders, four teams, two teams per gender. Um, and then and having to run a swim practice on top of that. But other than that, I think it's going to be a blast just, you know, competing for it. And I'm not saying that what we're doing is not the real thing, but competing for a real state championship where it's yeah. recognized it's matches the people that play with this great game. And I think across the board, people are excited. A ton of, a ton of new schools are kind of lining up to play. Yes. There's a ton of education out there, people. So if you're listening, coaches, there's a ton of education. Go get educated, please. Please. Um, please. There's the TXWaterPole.com. There's USA Water Polo. There's a ton of stuff out there. Go get educated. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a learning process for a, a, a lot of people. But um, please, um, if you're out there, please go and Google the Mave the Brave um, and learn a, a, like a little bit more about that foundation, guys. Um, uh, was it please keep up the good work, Jeff? Uh, kind of thank you so much for your time. Yeah, appreciate you, Joe. Thank All you. Right, Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Lexi Wong is a junior from Lantana, Texas, and uh, guy or grad i'm sure that uh, chris cullen wants to hear that um who had two four goal games against division two gannon and mercyhurst last weekend and for that she earned cwpa division three offensive player of the week on wednesday uh, that among several awards that she's earned over her uh, time at austin college and sophie oliver is a sophomore from houston who lifted langham creek high school to some pretty lofty heights Sophie, I hadn't honestly, I didn't know much about Langham Creek until you started playing there. Um, she got herself her own Collegiate Water Polo Association Division Three Player of the Week honor on March 16 after two solid games versus the University of Pacific. Both were named ACWPC All-Americans in 2020, and they joined me now along with head coach Mark Lawrence. Uh, thanks to all of you for your time. Thanks for having us. <clears throat> okay, I want to talk about this past weekend, which I actually thought was quite important for the program. But uh, first, let's let's retrace a little bit of your time over the past crazy year. So, Lexi, the season was really uh, abruptly ended last spring. Um, let's, as much as we might not want to do that, let's go back and what do you remember about what happened and how everyone dealt with the decision to end the season last year? Um, honestly, it was pretty shocking. It came on pretty fast. Um, I don't think anyone was like really expecting us to be done um, that early, but the team really um, came together. We accepted what was and we started looking forward to this season. Um, so, Sophie, do you think that as a team you were able to deal with that? You know, it must have been a big disappointment, obviously. Um, but I suspect you dealt with it fairly decently because you and everyone else on the team is still pretty young. I mean, there's not a single senior on your roster this year. So that did that make a difference last year? 
Yeah, I think the whole idea of all of us being such a young team really kind of uplifted our spirits, especially for this season, because it gave us the opportunity to come out hard this season. And as you can see from our games, um, that's pretty much what we've done. Um, And so we've just really tried to uplift each other throughout this whole process and tried to keep each other accountable um, throughout the entire course of these two semesters. Great. Well, I, I put uh, your your coach who's sitting there, Mark, on the spot a couple of weeks ago because I suggested that the team could, and I'll be honest, should, go undefeated after the first two games versus UOP. Is that something you guys are aiming for or just something I conjured up just for my own self? Um, personally, from my standpoint, I think that we could. But at the same time, a lot of these teams do come out strong and do come out with new um, fundamentals that maybe we aren't necessarily prepared for all the time. Um, So, but if we keep our heads straight and do what we know how to do best, I don't see a reason why not. We have to keep the mindset to not overlook any games, like even games that we know that we should like be dominant in. We still go in looking at every game, like we're playing UOP again. Well, perfect segue, because I wanted to talk about that UOP weekend. It's actually not even a weekend. It's a single day, and that's what I'm curious about. So I watched those games. I thought you performed quite well against, obviously, a quite strong team. Um, You lost twice, but the second game was just a five-goal differential. But what I'm curious about is that weird notion of you guys, you guys basically played back-to-back games. I, kn- I know you had a break, but um, what what was that experience like, the entire trip? I mean, I'm assuming there's a good level of excitement because your season is beginning, but it's also a pretty big challenge. Yeah, um, we were super excited. Um, it was our first game that we had played in like a year, so everyone just wanted to be back in the water Obviously, like, we were nervous. They're a pretty high-ranked D1 team. But um, we knew that, like, if we go in and focus on our game and, like, what we've been practicing, we were going to do the best we could. What What did you come away with from that game? I'm, I'm, what Were you satisfied? Um, I think majority of us were satisfied. It was, it was one of those games where nothing really was on the line with respect to conference. Um, it was purely based upon getting more experience, especially for our freshmen and sophomores, because uh, we got our season taken away from us, obviously. So all the other juniors have a season under their belt, a full season under their belts. Um, so that whole process was literally just us wanting to gain some more experience and playing those really high ranking teams who kind of exude that confidence level that we all want out of water polo. Right. Um, and I'd imagine Lexi, since you're now the, you know, as a junior, you're like the old maid on that team that you're able to help those who have not yet experienced playing against, you know, sort of top level teams. Is that, is that a role that you find yourself fulfilling? Um, yeah, it's definitely weird because, like, technically, um, athletically, I'm still only a sophomore, as all of our juniors are. Right. So, we really had one full season, but, like, it makes a big difference just having, like, that one year playing at that next level of polo, and um, we definitely try to, like, instill that confidence in the freshmen and help them to you know, realize like their abilities and that they're just as capable. 
Got it. And so uh, that was the beginning of your season, but four games last weekend in Pennsylvania. What a delightful pool to play in, by the way. Wow. It reminded me of Half Moon Bay High School in the Bay Area. Just a delightful pool. Um, you handled Grove City and Penn State Barron pretty easily. Uh, I, those are my words, not yours. Um, but I mentioned that you beat Gannon and Mercyhurst to a couple of young guys who played back east and in Chicago, and they were really impressed that you defeated those two Division II th- two teams. Were you impressed? Was it a surprise? Um, I think all of us were really – we were very nervous throughout the course of the game. We wanted to just uh, – our whole objective as a team is to – do the best that we can and create this division three program that has a division one mindset. Um, and so throughout the game, we were all kind of trying to cheer each other on and trying to get all hyped up throughout the entire game. And no matter what happened, we were, every time we finished the quarter, we would always be like, okay, keep your heads high, keep your heads high, keep going. We've all got this. Um, just, and we would just try to keep, keep on pushing through. But it was very stressful for a little bit there. (laughs) Yeah, being down in the first um, quarter of both games, like, obviously that's not the ideal position to be in. But um, I wouldn't say we were, like, freaking out at all. Like, we kept our cool. We knew that, like, for the rest of the game, we needed to win each quarter. And we looked at it that way. It wasn't about, like, the game as a whole. We took it step by step and it pulled through. Well, now this is funny because this was a topic of conversation between me and Joe yesterday. We recorded the podcast yesterday and we were talking about these games. And uh, he, I had looked at the video, but he had looked at the stats and he said, he said, oh, I'll bet that, that those first quarters that they were defending the, that ridiculous tall goal or wait, maybe it was the other way around, actually. And what I recall watching the game was, wait, this is not good. They're down four to one. And then the very first possession of the second quarter, I said, oh, they're going to win this game because defensively that other team cannot handle them. And now they've got the advantage of being able to score on a normal, regular human being goal instead of that ridiculous monstrosity. So, but I, what I also noticed, and you made mention of it just a little bit, was that in my opinion, your front court defense is markedly better than it has in the past and that's obviously not to be critical of the past but it seems to me that you are establishing what I I would even call like a Japanese style of high press is that something that you've been working on specifically and uh, that you've uh, maybe even a point of pride absolutely yeah the the weeks leading up to um this past weekend we've been focusing on our high press like heavily and um, we've seen great improvements and, and everyone learning it. Um, it started to click and like make sense. Got to reap the benefits this weekend and see like see how it works in action. If for, for both of you in that regard, uh, that could be a different method than you utilized. And your clubs were uh, Thunder and Viper Pigeon. Tell me if I'm wrong about that. Um, but uh, was this is this style of playing defense something that you both had to learn? Uh, Personally, yes. I never really experienced this kind of high pressure, um, non-reaching for the ball um, kind of defense, Um, especially as throughout my years in high school, I actually lived in the Middle East, so I was kind of gone for a lot of my high school career, so I never really got to play that much while I was living in Qatar. Um, So... 
this whole thing when we when I first came to Austin College and we learned about this new pressure and then especially this season, um, it's all very new for everybody, I think, but we're taking it as it comes and we're all doing a very good job with it, I think. Yeah, it's definitely cool that this is like what our seventh, eighth year of playing polo and we're learning something new and being challenged to do something that we haven't done before and like pressing without fouling. Like, you know, like it seems like something, you know, so simple, but like it's a fundamental that like is not mastered by everyone. And so it's pretty cool that we're getting to try this out now. Well, I mentioned it as a technique, which it is, obviously. It's an individual technique. But what was impressive also was on the occasions that you were able to basically steer your opponents toward one of your teammates. So I can't, I can't count how many turnovers there were based on that pressure up, up top. So it, it's a teamwork thing as well, I'd imagine. For sure, yeah. yeah. We also, like, practiced that, just, like, stepping over, mm-hmm. like, all of that. Those little things matter yeah. a lot. Cool. And uh, so rumor is that some programs are not entirely welcoming of Austin College this season. And there's all kinds of reasons for that. But COVID, I think, stands out for it. So, you know, when I hear about that stuff, that gets me pretty wound up. I don't know if it has the same effect on you. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating, you know, but um, we've been as a group, we've been able to keep each other's heads up kind of. And uh, regardless of what anybody else thinks, we know that uh, we're doing what we can during this whole pandemic um, and we're following the guidelines as much as possible. So um, we as a whole group really try and keep ourselves accountable and keep each other uplifted when it's, you know, these really, really harsh times yeah it can be um a little bit hurtful or annoying sometimes when we know that like how much we're sacrificing and like how much our coaches are sacrificing in order for us to play this season and like doing everything we can covid wise getting tested like as much as possible and like the lack of trust but it's okay (laughs) Well, those are very measured responses, and that's what I would expect. So I will be outraged for you because I admit it. it, Yeah, I'm not very pleased with that at all. And if and when I I can actually speak about everything, then I will call out the people who are responsible. But that's that is not up to you. You guys are NCAA athletes and you should probably uh, adhere to your media training. But um, so uh, you do have another rival, I would say. So um you're heading off to um, a tournament on the 10th and you're, you have four games scheduled, Washington and Jeff Grove city and Barron. I, to, I'll answer for you. I, those are extraordinarily winnable games, but your final matches against Wittenberg, which has become something of a rival. Am I wrong about that? No, not at all. Um, they were a first year program the same year we were. So it kind of started off from the bat. Like we were in the same boat as them. So yeah, you're right. It's like a friend. Yeah, a friendly rivalry. Rivalry is, you know, I understand. Friendly is fine. It doesn't have to be necessarily friendly, I'm just saying. Um, but they presented a challenge to you back when you were able to play, and uh, and I expect that you'll be quite happy if you take them on in in, uh, in CWPAs as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of which, so that's in Kenosha, Wisconsin. On the 17th, you place the top two, right? And you get a berth at Division Three National Championships. That's assuming that they are actually held 
and for anyone at USA Water Polo who might be listening, bring that tournament to Texas, please. Um, it is tough, or, or is it tough, um, for you not to look ahead and think that you're going to earn a berth uh, at that tournament, again, if it's held, um, because I think your chances are very good, but how do you temper those feelings, or, or maybe you don't? Um, we are very excited to hopefully get to compete in conference champs this year. But like I said earlier, like we do take it one game at a time. Like we, we really make an effort to not overlook any games. So, um, at the moment we're just focused on next weekend, but obviously, yeah, we're very excited to hopefully get to go compete for a conference championship. Who has been to Kenosha, Wisconsin before? I heard it's absolutely beautiful. Um, we actually have not been there. We were actually looking at their campus yesterday online, though. It looks really pretty. There's a lake, um, something right nearby, so we're excited. Well, I wish you all the luck in the world at that tournament and, of course, for the rest of the season. But that's Lexi Wong and Sophie Oliver from Austin College. Thank you both very much for your time. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was Jeff Chandler and Lexi Wong and Sophie Oliver in our very, very heavy interview-laden show today. Um, And uh, so we're done, except for a couple things. What else is out there, Joe? Well, um, next week we're going to have an interview with uh, with Chris Cohen, who's going to give us a little bit of a kind of an update on uh, on NISCA All American for High School. So that's there. Yeah, there's some big news there. Um, also, we're going to talk about Masters Nationals possibly coming to Texas. Ooh la la! This August, so wow. in 2021. So that yeah, in yeah, and hopefully we'll have some more details kind of next week. And of course, you know, those like kind of have like a little bit of a preview for this like the summer competition schedule okay um and whoever was just calling joe sorry i had he's he's uh he's obligated to this show first he's not going to answer your phone so he'll do it after we're done which is basically now right so there's nothing left thank you very much joe all right take care james you too um thank all of you for listening and telling a friend about the tx water polo podcast if you want to support us um, and by the way, I'm heading up to Indiana in a couple weeks for Total Water Polo to cover some college games just for fun. Um, but you can give to the program by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give. Go check out our gear on the store that we have on the site. It's, that's all fun stuff. And, uh, and we want to thank those who have been generously donating uh, for, oh, boy, almost over a year. So thank you very much for that. But until next week, so long from Austin. Now that day brings it all again
This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.